Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. On this episode of the Oklahoma Breakdown with Iker and Lehman, presented by Riverwind Casino, Bob Stoops and Jessica Cootie join us to preview the OU-Nebraska game. Coach Stoops breaks down the matchup on the field, and Jessica gives us some insight on Nebraska's team and their mentality heading into this game. In the National College Football Roundup, we preview some of the best games in Week 3, including Alabama-Florida and Auburn-Penn State, and we finish up by giving you our winners and losers of the week. Please download and subscribe to the podcast, rate it five stars, and write us a good review. Follow the show on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Just search Oklahoma Breakdown on any of those, and you'll find us. All right, our man Michael Hossie will kick this thing off. It's time for the Oklahoma Breakdown. It's a beautiful Thursday, September 16th, and you're listening to the Oklahoma Breakdown with Iker and Layman, presented by Riverwind Casino. Riverwind is Oklahoma City's premier casino experience, and your health and safety are Riverwind's number one priorities. There are so many reasons why Riverwind is consistently voted OKC's number one casino, but it all starts with their amazing variety of gaming thrills and excitement. Riverwind's beautiful award-winning environment plays host to more than 2,800 of the latest electronic games with a huge selection of table games, including Blackjack, Blackjack Match, Roulette, and Teddy's favorite, Craps. No matter what your game, Riverwind has it in spades and hearts. And Fridays in September from 6 p.m. to midnight, you can win your share of $80,000 in cash and bonus play in Riverwind's $80,000 Blitz and Bucks promotion. Drawings are every 30 minutes. If you need help finding your way, just visit riverwind.com, Riverwind Casino, still the one. Also, not a bad spot to go after OU beats Nebraska. Just saying. Be a good spot. And that's typically where a lot of people do go. Yes. Now, we're recording this Wednesday night. Please leave us a five-star review and a nice comment while you're at it. Okay. Big week. A first in the history of the podcast, Ted. We've got two interviews on this episode. First time we've ever done it. Let's see how it goes. We've got Bob Stoops. He'll be there for Big Noon Kickoff. And we've got Jessica Cootie, who essentially does everything for Nebraska football, TV, radio. She's around the team constantly. So we get a couple different perspectives there. Yeah, it's going to be good to talk to Cootie and and get kind of the, the inside what the team's feeling like leading up to this one. And obviously Coach Stoops has uh, seen this one from a different side, uh, coaching the thing from the sideline, and now calling it, or uh, at least uh, leading up to it. That's pretty cool. So let's get to the OU football stuff. 
after we do birthday shout outs, Ted, the requests are rolling in. Love it. So first, happy 60th birthday to Gary Lankford. You're the man, Gary. Happy 60th. 60's no big deal. It's the 40. That's the real problem, as you, we all know. You okay? I mean, I'm it's do, coming. Doing okay. Your 40 it's is coming. coming, man. Happy 30th birthday to Jared Beal. Hope you're okay. enjoying NYC, Jared. Happy 30th. NYC and, on the 30th. That's awesome. And this is a first, Ted. Hunter Curtin asked for a birthday shout-out for himself. So happy birthday, Hunter. Why not? There we'll you take go. take the request. Happy birthday. I love that. Go shoot ahead your do shot, it. Hunter. Go ahead and shoot it. Love it. You think I said his last name right? Curtin? K-R? K-I-R-T-O-N? I don't know what else it would be. Curtin? Curtin? Curtin, uh, right? Uh, it's got to be Curtin. Happy birthday, Hunter. Okay, OU stuff. Ted, you had your show with Toby Rowland, Lincoln Riley, and Bob Stoops also joined you this week. Anything that kind of stood out about what Lincoln said? Yeah, I think one of the things that he said, there was a comment, and I kind of have the same general feeling. He was talking about after the Tulane game, you know, we were all upset about the way that we played, and we have things that, you know, we had to fix. And then you play Western Carolina, and, and you know, you obviously 76 to zero. It's just a, it's an absolute blowout. And he's like, we haven't fixed all of our problems. And the game that we played against Western Carolina is not what it looks like on the scoreboard. I, there's plenty of mistakes in the Western Carolina game as well. So uh, he's like, if this team feels like all of a sudden, you know, we play a really good game, we play four quarters or whatever that we've arrived and we don't have to prepare the same way and, and work on getting better week in, week out, then, uh, you know, they're going to be disappointed. And I agree. I still feel like there's a lot of the same issues from week one that we feel better about, obviously, against Western Carolina because it's a lot harder to find those, to see them. But I, we still have to answer those questions. Offensive line, some of the defensive line stuff, uh, adjustments, we're going to get a ton of motions and shifts from, from Nebraska. So I, I think we still have to answer a lot of those same questions from week one against Tulane. Yeah, and this is, this is going to be the most talented football team that they've played. I did Coach's Corner on Wednesday, and we had Jamar Kane and Cale Gundy on, and both of them said that. Like, don't be fooled by the lack of success that Nebraska has had. Like, they still have some talented players. For example, you look at their secondary, man. I was watching them earlier today. I mean, they've got Dude. size. They've got length. I mean, they, they look the part in the back end. Now they, they don't cover particularly well in my opinion, but they looked apart. Like they have, they have physical size that as is imposing, like it's going to be the best looking team that OU's played all season. I know it's a short season, but like one thing that Kale said was that man, Nebraska's got some players like that. This is, this isn't like, a bunch of scrubs are rolling into Norman. Now, maybe they haven't been able to put some things together as a team, right? And this is a team game, but like there are some individuals that you're going to see on Saturday for the Cornhuskers, and you're going to be like, damn, that guy looks good. 
Yeah. No, there, one thing that you're going to notice is it is a gigantic football team. They are huge. Like, for instance, they're going to line up in some, some plays offensively where their right tackle is on the ball, 6'9", 350 pounds, and their tight end is going to be on the ball next to him, 6'9", 260 pounds. Like, we don't see that very often in this conference, guys that are that big. Now, uh, do they play like that size? I don't know. I, quite frankly, I think they're, they're too tall and too big. But, you know, I, the real worry is the defensive line. Can we move those guys off the ball? Because nose guards a 330-plus pounder. Uh, the three techniques, 6'6", 310, 315, big boys, really big boys. Yeah, I, I could see OU having some trouble moving Damian Daniels, number 93. Yeah. He is he is a stout man. He is a yeah. very very big man. What's a there's it's a bad combination whenever you've got big guys on the interior that are hard to move but also like really good overhang guys. Like they're edge stand-up guys, the 2 and 3 deep like their their second team Sam Backer uh that plays quite a bit against the bigger personnel groupings. He's like Six foot four, two hundred and sixty pound, long arm guy that's got a bunch of tackles for loss for them. So the running game is going to be critical. That's the thing to watch for me. If we can get line up and push them off the ball, run the football, it's going to be a long day for Nebraska. But on the flip side, if we can't, they're going to have a chance to hang around. So uh, you and I have we've both been watching Nebraska's defense, and I, I've been thinking a lot about the style. I think OU should play in this game, right? You you would think that OU's got more speed, right, at the skill positions. But, dude, the more I watch it, with the personnel they put on the field, when their opponent goes big personnel, I, they take one of their best players off the field. JoJo Doman, the, they take him off the field when you go 12 personnel. And I just think... what with how much faith Lincoln has in Stogner and Willis and Jeremiah Hall, like I could see them maybe utilizing that personnel grouping, some of those big personnel groupings more than we've seen at least this season so far. They've done a lot of it already, but I just, I just think that if that's what Nebraska is going to do defensively, then you got to take advantage of that. They literally take, one of, in my, as I've watched, a guy I think is one of their best playmakers on their entire defense. They take him off the field, Ted. It makes no sense to me. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's funny, and talking about the team being huge, he's their nickel, and he's like listed at 6'1", 230 pounds. That's their nickel. So that's how big this team is. And, you know, Roy Williams played nickel when I was at OU, and he was about the same size, uh, about, you know, 225, 230 pounds. 
And now he didn't come off the field. He played nickel against, you know, spread formations. And then he played safety against base whenever you bring another linebacker in. Um, but teams started to try and get him uh, out of the nickel spot and moving back to safety by staying in bigger personnel groupings. So we just said, screw it. We'll play nickel to everything. And that's what we did for, you know, most of his, his final season. We played nickel to almost everything. I'm shocked that Nebraska doesn't. And maybe they will against Oklahoma, you know, against some other teams where they feel like maybe they can afford to put a Sam Backer out there. They may not think that's the case against Oklahoma, but we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. Because if, if they take him off the field, Lincoln won't let him come back on. He'll go tempo and yeah. not change personnel. Yeah, you, they they take one of their best players off the field. <laughs> I mean, it's just every time I watch it, I'm like, what are they doing? Okay, this is an important note, Ted. So, e- Ethan Downs, we uh, the other night when Toby and I were doing the huddle, we we nicknamed him the Trash Man. Because he has been staying out after the games and picking up trash off the sideline. Great nickname. Not a great nickname in the eyes of his mother. <laughs> I uh Ethan Down's father reached out to me and let me know that his mom not a fan of the nickname. So the nickname didn't even last 24 hours. We will officially retire the trash man nickname. And uh, I believe we're going to go with old school. So get oh, your old okay. school movie quotes ready. Uh, you're my boy, Blue. Probably shouldn't I, throw out. I thought we were just going to change it to instead of trash man, go with waste management guy. But that doesn't work either. <laughs> no, no. Okay. I, I am. Uh, so his dad DM'd me and then his mom just tweeted at me directly and was like, Ditch it. No, yeah, like, no. I was like, okay, yes, ma'am. So, that is, uh, that's dead. That's gone. Old school for Ethan Downs. Also, I like that. Jamar Kane let me know that he missed getting a game ball from Lincoln Riley in the locker room after the game because he was picking up trash on the sideline <laughs> still. Such a good story. Well, that's like the, that's what I was, I I text you about this. It's like, your coach is in there addressing your football team right now. You, you kind of should be in there for that. I get it. I understand, but let's, let's go hear what coaches has to say. And then maybe after that, if you feel compelled, maybe go pick up some of the trash after the coach, especially gives you a game ball. I can just picture that. Where's he at? Ethan. Where's he at? Great play. Not in here, coach. <laughs> That's great. Oh, so good. All right. For our call your shot question, we asked for the boldest prediction you got for OU Nebraska. Uh, this first one comes from Alex on Twitter at AlvinMac55. He says, Latrell McCutcheon picks off a pass. OU scores on special teams. Special teams touchdown would be awfully nice, especially early in the game. Maybe you know, Nebraska gets the ball first and Mims takes one to the house first punt return. That would be that would be ideal for for me. Yeah, we'd have to, you know, return kicks, not fair catch it on the seven yard line in order to score a, a special teams touchdown. I hope so. 
that would be awesome. In, you know, this this isn't like a top five matchup like some of them have been in the past, but special teams has been a huge factor in this series. Uh, we blocked a field goal inside like the 10-yard line in 2000. That was, you know, pivotal uh, in that football game. Uh, there's There's been a – obviously, you make a special teams touchdown or a pick six, score on defense, miscellaneous touchdown, chances of winning the football game go up substantially. That would be uh, – that'd be awfully nice. Okay, this next one comes from Red Dirt Rico on Twitter. He says, boldest prediction – Close game, OU 38, Cornhuskers 31, OU down at half. Hmm. 38-31? Okay, would, would it shock you if this game, what's the spread, like 22, 22, 22. and a half? Yeah. Would, would this shock you if this is like, you know, a 10-point or 7-point game? No. I'm actually leaning I, I would lean towards it not being uh, a cover of the 22 points just because I, I'm, I'm not – a lot of people are watched Western Carolina and are dismissing Tulane. I'm watching Tulane and dismissing Western Carolina. It felt good. It was fun to watch. I enjoyed it. It was, it was good to see a bunch of guys make, make plays and fly around, and have fun, and have energy. But they still got to prove to me that they can move people off the football and run it. You know, I, I, there's there's still a lot of underlying issues that we haven't really proven that we fixed just yet. I, I was talking to some buddies, big OU fans. They were all talking about how OU was going to win by, you know, 50. And I was like, guys, you remember the two-lane game, right? And like, dude, why are you being like, why are you in such a bad mood? Like, why do you hate the team? I'm like, what are you talking about? Like, it was literally two weeks ago. <laughs> right. Not even two weeks ago. Yeah. I, so it was, it was 10 days ago. It, if, if OU is going to blow them out like that, we better see some growth along the line of scrimmage. Yeah. And Nebraska, I'm telling you right now, they are not chumps along the offensive and defensive line. They're not yeah. like they they've got guys that are physical. So this is this is going to be the biggest challenge of the season up to this point. Yeah. And they've got Nebraska the great has equalizer. better players than Tulane. Yeah, the, they've also got the great equalizer, which is a quarterback that can run the football. You know, you can say whatever you want about him as a passer and turning the ball over, and I'll agree with it. But he is dangerous with the football in his hands. He can make plays. And we've seen it a million times against all kinds of good defenses that when you introduce the quarterback run game, things get weird in a hurry. And once the quarterback starts to have success, what happens instantly? Everyone else starts trying to do somebody else's job because you're a little outnumbered and guys start peeking around blocks and it turns into a disaster. I think Nebraska is going to try to run it right at them at the start of the game. and just see if they can do it. Yeah. And if they have some success, then they're just going to slow the game down, shorten it, run it at them. Yeah. And you you think about and I'm not saying Nebraska's going to come to Norman and beat Oklahoma. I don't think that's going to happen. But you look at the games that this team lost last year. The type of team that they struggled against. 
Kansas State, Iowa State, getting in big personnels, yep. motioning those guys around, and then running the football. Yep, that's what I've been talking about this Nebraska's offense for a long time, that there's a ton of similarities to Iowa State. Multiple tight ends, multiple shifts, motions. Um, now, I their running game, they'll do some things with Martinez. They'll run him on some interesting like quarterback counter stuff. It's almost like he he's going to run quarterback counter or quarterback power, and then he takes it out the back door really quick, and they just try and like almost influence on the backside with the tackle. It's weird. It's a weird looking scheme, but he's fast. He could take it the distance on you in a hurry. So yeah, they're, and they're going to get creative. There's some things that they have not shown that they're going to throw at Oklahoma for sure. Yeah, no doubt. It's, it's going to be interesting. That first quarter, I think we're going to learn a lot in those first yeah. couple possessions. And- uh, but here's the thing, and I know you agree with this. Oklahoma could absolutely blow the doors off Nebraska. That can happen. Oh, yeah. Easily that can happen. Especially how that crowd's going to be. The yeah. Energy. Ooh. Yeah. There's, there's no doubt that that can happen. But we've got to prove some things before you can start entertaining that. Yeah. No, I'm with you. All right. Let's get to our interview with Bob Stoops. But first, the only place to stop when you're road tripping is Love's Travel Stops. Loves has over 560 locations in 41 states, offering 24-hour access to clean and safe places. And Loves has given us a $25 game day gift card to give away each week. And this is all you have to do to be entered to win this week's gift card. Tweet a picture of you stopping at a Loves on your way to the OU Nebraska game. And make sure you tag the podcast Twitter account and Loves Twitter account. We'll contact you if you're the winner. Pretty simple. That's simple enough, right, Ted? Simple instructions. Very easy. Okay. Whatever your road trip needs are, Loves has it. Fuel, fresh food, drinks, and my favorite, Java Amore. That coffee is fantastic. You'll need some for that rooster kickoff. Loves also has you covered if you forget your phone charger or headphones. They've expanded their mobile-to-go zone so you can grab any of that stuff there. And make sure you download the Loves Connect app for exclusive offers from today's most popular brands. When you see the red neon heart on the highway, stop in and say hi at Loves Travel Stops. For a full list of what Loves has to offer, visit loves.com. And First Fidelity Bank is a full-service financial institution based in Oklahoma with tailored solutions for all your personal and business needs. Checking accounts, saving accounts, home loans, and much more. They do it all. Whether it's online banking from your computer or mobile banking from your phone, everything is stress-free with FFB. Making mobile deposits, paying bills online, and moving money to different accounts could not be easier. First Fidelity Bank also provides free ATMs worldwide, making banking convenient wherever you are. They also give back to the community. FFB donates a total of more than $500,000 to local charities and educational foundations. Make your life easier and go bank at First Fidelity Bank. Visit FFB.com for more information. Here is the star of Big Noon Kickoff, Bob Stoops. It is our pleasure to be joined by a college football Hall of Famer. He is also the star of Fox's Big Noon Kickoff. He will be in Norman for the big matchup this weekend. Coach Bob Stoops is in the house. What's up, Coach? Hey, Gabe. Good to be with you, buddy. Um, yeah, and I'm no star. You know that. I'm just learning the ropes of this media gig. Hey, you're you're one of us now. You're officially – you've got it. you got a couple <laughs> weeks under your belt now. Hey, before we dive listen, into the game, listen, how is it? This tell you right now that if I'm one of you, I just got done interviewing Lincoln Riley and Spencer Rattler. 
I'm the only guy they they get an interview on Wednesday. You know that. Well, you you know some people in the program, <laughs> but that's okay. So we're, we're going to get to the OU Nebraska stuff. But how weird is that? Like interviewing people and you know having to analyze games and stuff. Like it's it's still just football, right? Sure, I love watching football. I, I you know as much time as I can. I love watching it and all the different different teams watching offense defense what they're doing but um yeah so it was uh it was good to visit with those guys they got a they got a kick out of my new uniform instead of having OU one I got I, I got big noon Saturday yeah it's a it's a good looking polo though coach if you yeah. if you happen to find an extra XL want to send it my way that would be uh that'd be great okay work on OU Nebraska uh, traditionally one of the best rivalries in all of college football. What does this rivalry mean to you? Obviously you were part of it for a long time and just how excited are you that it's back? Yeah, it's fantastic. At least for a couple of years, you know, I grew up in Ohio an Ohio kid in Northeast Ohio, loving to watch OU play Nebraska. You know, you never missed it on Thanksgiving. Uh, always two of the top five couple teams in the country. Uh, exciting offense with that great, you know, the, the wishbone that, that Coach Switzer put in. Going against the Black Shirts. I was reading today that 71 game. Uh, OU averaged 472 yards rushing a game, and Nebraska only allowed six points a game by, their red sh- by the, the Black Shirts. And then I read there's 27 of the guys on each team back and forth were NFL draft picks and 17 of the 22 all big eight players came from both schools. So you talk about some great coaches and players on that sideline is really neat to read all about it. And I've, I've read about it before and I'd like to know our history and it's just good to refresh your memory about everybody though. Yeah. And Nebraska, not at the level that they once were, right? Even go back to the start of your tenure at Oklahoma. Uh, everyone remembers that game in Norman in 2000. I, I was there. One of the craziest, if not the craziest game I've seen at OU. So, like, looking yeah. back on your experiences, I know the history, you know, going back to the 70s, and we're, I can't wait to see how they celebrate the 50th anniversary, but going back to your experience, like what do you remember the most about playing Nebraska? Yeah, the great uh, 2000 game was so special. We're, we're thinking we're back. You're thinking we're back. We beat K-State, beaten Texas, but now you're dealing with the real big dog who's been number, number one in the country, Nebraska. And, uh, you know, so when you get down 14, nothing right off the bat. And then I remember vividly calming everyone down to relax. Everybody's making too big a deal of this. And then we really caught our rhythm, both sides of the ball, defensively, offensively, go on a 31 to zero run, you know, to win the game. And remember leaving the locker room, leaving my office about three hours later after the game, two and a half hours after the game. And everybody's driving, all the flags are out flying the OU flags and everybody's honking their horn like it was a parade, you know, as well as everybody stormed the field and uh, it was really special. And then the other great ones, 2006, Paul Thompson in Kansas City leads us to a 21-7 win. And then uh, the other one, 2010, really 
special first one in the AT&T Stadium, you know, the Big 12 championship game, two rivals. We get down 17 nothing and come back and win 2017 was a was a, another really special day with Landry Jones as our quarterback leading us that day. Yeah, the the left guard was a liability, but other than that, <laughs> a good football team. Okay, you mentioned you know, that 2000 game, the, the energy in the stadium was unbelievable. I was there as a young kid and you mentioned you just having to settle the guys down. I, I think this atmosphere is going to be insane for this game. I think this is a game that OU fans have been looking forward to for a long time. Are there any concerns that OU's guys could be a little too juiced for the start of this one? Is, is that something you address as a head coach? I wouldn't think so. Um, we always address the fact that just excitement and energy doesn't win games. It's part of it, but the rest, you know, the rest has to be there. And our guys have been in a lot of big games, so I, I don't see that being an issue. Um, you know, and I, I believe they'll be ready to play. I believe Coach Riley and his staff will have them ready to play. And um, I'm expecting us to play a good, solid football game and and I'm expecting uh, Nebraska to play a good game they know they're going to know about this rivalry as well so you you were able to talk to Lincoln uh talk to Spencer Rattler but as you're doing your prep for the show and for this game when you look at Nebraska's offense what kind of stands out to you about the guys that could threaten Oklahoma's defense in this one well I, I think everything and not pretty obvious goes through uh, Adrian Martinez. He's, he's the whole key, uh, his, you know, quarterback run game along with his scrambling, he can get hot throwing, you know? So in, in my opinion, it's really being able to contain him and, you know, they'll get some rushing yards, but not, you know, but we, we need to be able to, if we can limit that to some degree and keep him contained from making big plays, I think they'll be happy with that. Yeah, Marquis Step, Gabe Urban, both very capable backs, in my opinion. But you you are a defensive guy, right? I mean, that's where you cut your teeth in college football. That's that's how you got to where you got as a head coach. How much different is it preparing for a team that has a quarterback that can run the way that Martinez can run? Oh, it changes everything. You know, that's – that's a big concern all the time. You know, they can, no matter what, what front you deploy, when that back is blocking instead of receiving the ball, he's creating extra space in that line of scrimmage for somebody, for the, for the quarterback. So, but I, I think, you know, what, uh, what Alex Grinch does so well, he moves and stunts our D-line and linebackers so much that I really believe we, we have a chance if we're, you know, if we're doing it correctly, you know, to, to, mix up some of their blocking schemes and hopefully contain that. Yeah, and I I won't lie. I haven't been overly impressed with Nebraska's offensive line and such a rich tradition of producing great players along the offensive line. It's just, it's been a while since they've produced, you know, high round draft picks along that offensive line. I don't, I don't know exactly what's going on with that, but I do like Oklahoma's chances at the line of scrimmage when Nebraska's offense is on the field. Looking on the defensive side of things for the Cornhuskers, they got bodies, man. I mean, you you look at the body types, right? Big, like 
as you're watching him, this is the best looking team that OU's going to play maybe all season long. Like they have length and size in the secondary, big bodies along the line of scrimmage. Just as you've watched him on defense, what what stands out to you? Uh, that uh, the 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 size. You know, they got a Big Ten defense. You know, that's what you you see when you're playing Big Ten teams. Uh, and they've played well. They've, they've really been pretty solid overall defensively. So I think that'll be a big challenge. I, I think a uh, big key for us, as it always is, the line of scrimmage with playing against those big guys. And, uh, you know, our backs being able to create some – and O-line create some run game. When we can run the football, you know, in a decent way, we're hard to deal with because of off the run – comes all different play action passes that that Lincoln's so good at drawing up. Uh, So, um, you know, I I think that's going to be a big factor. Can we establish any kind of run game? Yeah. It's like the line of scrimmage still matters, Coach. How about that? It always has and always will. Okay, so uh, Scott Frost, you know, whatever term you want to use on the hot seat, you know, feeling the pressure, season didn't start the way that they wanted to against Illinois, Uh, his tenure there at Nebraska certainly hasn't gone the way he's wanted it to go. I mean, you were in one of the highest pressure jobs in all of college football. Do you think Scott Frost views this as, I mean, he's got to view it as a huge opportunity, right? To get things going in the right direction at Nebraska. Absolutely. It's a huge opportunity to, you know, to come in here and, and to play in great fashion, uh, you know, would, would show everybody that we're, you know, making the steps necessary to, to keep improving. So uh, no doubt uh, they'll be ready for this. And last one, I'll let you run. I know that you watch every snap of the OU games, you know, with Drake on the field and now Isaac on the staff. What, what have you thought? over the first couple performances from the Sooners so far? Well, I, I think it's way too early for anybody to decide and to have too much of an opinion. Uh, I think Tulane um, was better than everyone gave him credit for. Uh, that happens a lot in these early games. The fans just hear a name without doing any research. Don't believe they're any good. Well, they just put up 76 points on some – 70-something. I know we put up 70-some 70, 70 points on somebody. I believe that quarterback for Tulane will end up in the league next year. I thought he was outstanding. Um, and I watching tape of him, he always is. Um, so, I, 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 you know, and then last week, I don't think you can decide much because, you know, the team's just too inferior overall talent-wise. So that doesn't tell you much. Um I believe we'll, you know, I believe we'll play a good game. I, I do strongly believe overall uh, we've made strong defensive strides all through last year. And with so many guys back, that hasn't fallen off. It'll, I think it'll only keep improving. And I think we'll catch our rhythm on offense. The more Spencer, the more snaps he gets, the more experience on the field. He's still a young guy. Um, you know, so the more they're on the field, I believe the better they'll get. Do you know where you guys are setting up for big noon kickoff? Do you know where the stage is going to be yet? From what I understand, it's going to be on uh, the north uh, end zone right outside the stadium. And uh, so that's where the pre-show from 9 to 11 will be. 
uh, right between McCaslin and the entrance, the, the main entrance to, to the stadium. And, uh, and then I, th- I think at halftime, we're going to be on the concourse because our, our sidelines obviously are too tight to have anything down, down there. Actually, I got one more. Uh, how many times or uh, how many texts have you gotten from Reggie Bush and Matt Leinert since that USC job came open? <laughs> Those <laughs> not none, actually, they, they don't want me. They want somebody else. So it's okay. I'm not worried about it. I'm, I'm enjoying watching my son's, you know, one coach, one play. And, uh, you know, this big noon kickoff working with these guys has been fun. So we'll, we'll see where it goes. All right, coach. Always appreciate the time, man. All right. Thanks, Gabe. Good to be with you, buddy. Pretty cool that Bob and Brady Quinn and Leinert and Reggie Bush are going to be, they're going to be set up right next to us. Ted, we're going to be doing pregame radio. We start at nine. They start at nine. Our crowd may be a little bigger than theirs. I hope they don't get too offended, but competing crowds. I love it. You and Plank are going to be just surrounded by people with signs and all kinds of stuff. Come to c- come to the OU pregame radio. Not big new yeah. kickoff. Yeah. I love Ditch Bob. Those come USC on. guys. Come on. You if you want to hear the best OU content, I mean, come on. Come on. Should be easy. Yeah. 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 Should be an easy choice. It's <laughs> it's an easy choice. Okay, we've got another interview. This one is with Jessica Cootie. She is she is inside the Nebraska program. But before we get to her. Do you own a business? If you do, you need Insurica in your life. Insurica is one of the country's largest insurance brokers with 30 offices throughout Oklahoma, Texas, and the Southwest. Insurica is able to customize programs by accessing the latest information from many insurance carriers. They compare and contrast coverage offerings and pricing in order to design a cost-effective, comprehensive program to meet your business's specific needs. Insurica's clients become best-in-class businesses by working with Insurica's team of advisors to manage risk. Purchasing insurance is only one way to protect your business. Best-in-class businesses win by avoiding a loss in the first place. If your business partners with Insurica, you'll save huge amounts of money and take back control of your total cost of risk. I'm an Insurica client, and you should be too. If your business wants to be best-in-class, connect with Insurica at Insurica.com. That's I-N-S-U-R-I-C-A.com. And guys, it's still warm outside, and you know what that means. It's hard seltzer season, baby. And there's only one hard seltzer that we drink on this podcast, and that is Sonic Hard seltzer from Coupe Works. It's perfect for any occasion. We drink it by the pool, at the lake, and at the tailgate. You can buy 12 packs of the iconic Sonic drive-in flavors like cherry limeade and ocean water, or you can grab a citrus variety pack or a tropical variety pack. Find it at your local grocery store, convenience store, and liquor stores. Perfect for tailgating before OU Nebraska. Nice morning beverage. It's going to be great. It's going to be great. They, I know that uh, Cootie told us, or well, I guess I shouldn't say that. Uh, she's about to. Say she's about it. to tell us. <laughs> I just butchered that. Little, po- but, little, little podcast magic. It's yeah, coming. Sorry about that. Um, maybe they're enjoying Sonic Seltzers up there as well. There we go. All right, here she is. Here's Jessica Cootie. It is our pleasure to be joined by a woman that essentially does everything when it comes to media for Nebraska athletics. She's a bit of a traitor because she used to do it for OU, but it's okay. It's okay. We still love you, Coot. What up? 
Hey, so it took me moving to Nebraska for you guys to get me on this podcast. I was one of your first and most loyal listeners, and I had to leave for you guys to get me to come on here. I thought about doing this uh, on the field uh, here in Lincoln, but I I thought Teddy might appreciate that, but it's dark. So I'm in my apartment. Hmm. Yeah, I'm glad. I don't don't want to remember that. That's bad. (laughs) It's like all these great games that everyone keeps talking about. It's like, yeah, well. I lost the main game that I played against uh, Nebraska, so that wasn't a great one. Brutal. Gabe, you never played here, right? I I never played in Lincoln, so my my red shirt was 09. Was that what I forget? What did Landry throw? Five interceptions in that Gosh. game. I was not in Lincoln for that one. I was watching that one at home. So I only played Nebraska once, and it was in the 2010 Big 12 Championship. One and zero, baby with a yeah. ring to show for it. <laughs> it was awesome. Oh, I, I keep saying, because a lot of these kids don't know what the rivalry is about, but they're going to know on Saturday because there are going to be a lot of fans, I think, coming from Lincoln and, and all across the country for both fan bases, that it's going to be loud when that thing kicks off. And they're going to realize just how much this game means to a lot of people, even if the players themselves might not understand it. Yeah, it's it, it's definitely, when you look at the history of college football, it's, it's one of the best rivalries, in my opinion. But could he kind of some weird energy around the Nebraska program right now? Now you're, you know, you're around that program every single day. What, what's kind of the mentality, the mood around Nebraska football right now? Because that that Illinois loss to start the year, I mean, people were just all over them, us included. But I, how is it going? around Lincoln these days for, for Nebraska football? Well, it's good because they've won back-to-back games, two games in a row, which hadn't happened in a, in a while. And, you know, I think there was a lot of players that, you know, took advantage of that sixth year, that COVID year, to be able to come back because they wanted to make a bowl game. They wanted to kind of change the tide. They wanted to win some games. And so immediately after that Illinois game, because there was so much put on that, like, I mean, there was so much pressure on that. And, and we kept having to remind people, hey, this is one game. There's a long season, you know, ahead. And yes, why well, you want to come out and you want to win that game. And then the way that they lost it, you know, again, self-imposed mistakes, which has been a problem for this program in the past. But, you know, you can't hang. You, the season isn't over because you lost that first game out of the gate. You still got a long season ahead. And so, you know, for the players and the program and the coaches, they put that that loss behind them as much as the fan base and, and college football world want to continue to talk about it. it it's been put in the rearview mirror for these players. They're moving on. Uh, they know they have a huge opportunity ahead. You know, again, whatever people want to say for these players, you guys have, well, I don't know, you might not have been in games where you were not the uh, huge underdog, but, you know, they know that that nobody's really giving them a chance, but we see it every single week. How many times do we see upsets happen? They know that there's a huge opportunity ahead of them. And so they're moving forward, you know, not, not thinking about Illinois, Illinois is long gone by now when it comes to the players and the coaches. Yeah. They've played three games, which is a, a, a bit of an edge, but okay. So go all the way back to the spring, whenever the news kind of floated out that Nebraska is reportedly trying to get out of the game. Uh, and there was like a big blow up. Nebraska fans were upset with that. Oklahoma fans were laughing at that. Like, like a lot of people in college football were like, what in the world? And then it, you know, it, so it was a big deal. And then it died off. 
Well, then recently it kind of surfaced again whenever they had all – I considered them hit pieces out on Scott Frost with some of the different things that, uh, you know, the investigations and everything and tried to pin that on him. Is that something that's come up again now that we're actually in the game week and has Frost had to address that either with the media or did he ever have to address that with his players to explain – maybe what exactly went on there? Not that it's come out. I mean, he's been asked about it, not this week, because, um, you know, when that report came out, he was asked about it. But, you know, he kind of explained it as we were supposed to be in Ireland to play uh, Northwestern or not Northwestern, uh, Illinois. It was supposed to be Illinois. We're supposed to play Northwestern next year um, in Ireland. And so the way that, again, because of the the change and having to fly over there and the adjustments, there was a built-in kind of bye week early that they didn't want. So that's kind of how he explained it, was trying to adjust the schedule where you didn't uh, have that big off week after you play the first game against Illinois, which they ended up did, you know, shuffling the schedule. But that's kind of how he explained it. I don't think he's had to, you know, address it with the players. And again, the players, I just sat down with uh, Samari Toure, who's the, you know, the breakout wide receiver transferred from Montana. And he said, this is why I came to Nebraska to play in a game like this. And so for the players, they're kind of approaching it like, hey, this is going to be an awesome atmosphere, a huge matchup, a huge opportunity against a top five program. You know, I mean, and Samari wants to show that, he's trying to get to the NFL. He wants to show that he can do it against, you know, some of Oklahoma, uh, an Oklahoma defense, some of those defensive backs. So, yeah, I mean, I don't think it's been addressed. I think again, you you guys know as players, I, I mean, you just kind of move on and now it's at the task at hand and they're excited about this opportunity this week. Uh, looking, looking at Nebraska's offense, I, I feel like the only chance they got is if Adrian Martinez plays one of the best games he's ever played. What what does that look like in your mind, Cootie? Like, what have you seen over these last two games where Nebraska has won? Like, is he showing some improvement? Because you talk about a guy that took criticism after the Illinois game. I mean, the kid was just getting blasted by everyone. So is is he bringing some positivity into this game at all? Absolutely. And he's a guy that I've said it from the start, because again, I just got here in June and I've just kind of starting to started to get to know, you know, this program, these players, you know, and and diving in deep with with getting all to know all the storylines. And he's a guy that this locker room wants to play for, that he has got everybody bought into. They, they love him. They love the players in this locker room love Adrian Martinez. And I think some of the criticism that has come his way now, the Illinois, you know, the fumble, the sack fumble that Illinois returns for a touchdown is a massive play. And he knows he can't make that play, but some of the criticism that have, has come his way, I think has been a little bit unfair. I mean, especially a, a year ago, he didn't have very many weapons for him. And, he, and the offensive line was kind of a, a little bit in shambles at times. And so he didn't have much help. And so he's, yes, the turnovers have got, that cannot be something that happens on Saturday. He knows that this team knows that. And it's not just him. It's, you know, I mean, Cam Taylor Britt, who's one of another one of the best players on the team, he makes one of the biggest mistakes in the game against Illinois, where he fumbles in the end zone, ends up being a safety, and you know it's just a massive 
turn of events in that game, he's also a guy, he can't make those kinds of mistakes. Like some of this, the self-imposed mistakes cannot happen, but yeah, I think Adrian is, is definitely very much improved. And Lincoln Riley said it in his press conference, how much he's seen his improvement as a passer. And a lot of that has become because he has weapons. Like I just talked about Samori Toure. Oliver Martin is a guy he's uh, he had the 100 yards receiving in, in the game against Illinois. He's probably not going to play on Saturday, doubtful, but he's, but Adrian's going to have a couple of his weapons back that have been sidelined, um, you know, the last couple of weeks, I think are going to be healthy, going to be able to go on Saturday. So I think he's got more help. Um, you know, the thing about it is, is the offensive line has got to, got to protect. Well, I mean, they've got to be able to run the football, which they have not been able to do well at all the last couple of games. So you're doing the radio call. You, you've been working with my buddy, Jeremiah Searles. Love that how- guy. How much does he complain about the offensive line play? Um, you know, he's definitely, it's funny that you say that because um, we do a lot of stuff together. We do a pregame show that we do a podcast and he was saying something the other day about, you know, people have said we work well together. And I said, I kind of speak a line. You can thank Gabe for that. And he was like, cause I get it. Cause it is, there is so much that kind of goes, goes on with that. But yeah, I mean, he, it's definitely a, a, and I've, I've heard it from Bill Biedenboe the last, what, how long was I at OU that at Bill Biedenboe's are seven years that, you know, the, the chemistry within a, on an O-line is just a, something that takes time that you have to build. And they've got some young guys, especially on the tackles that are freshmen, redshirt freshmen. They've, you know, just have not played a lot of college football and they're trying to learn out, learn how to play together. Matt Sichterman starting at right guard. He's been in the program. He's a redshirt junior, but he's never started a college football game until this year. So you got guys that have just not played a lot of football together that they're still trying to work all that out, which that's the big thing that Jeremiah continues to point out too, is there's some talent on this line, some guys that potentially can play on Sundays, but they just got to figure out how to play together. And that just takes time. You know, going into this game, you can look at it a couple of different ways if you're Scott Frost. Number one, we're a big underdog. This would be a huge moment for our football team. If we're ever going to get back, we have to win a signature football game like this in front of a national audience. Uh, so you pull out all the stops, um, onside kicks, trick play, whatever it is that you have to do to, to both energize your football team and try and gain an advantage. The other side of it is we're a massive underdog. We just don't have the talent right now to beat a team like this. So you slow the football game way down and hope the other team makes some mistakes and you keep it close. And who knows, maybe at the end of the game, if the other team is not on, they've made some mistakes and you're able to, to maybe have a chance late, but you're really doing that to slow the other team down and, and honestly keep it close. Have you been able to gauge like kind of what coach Frost's mentality is coming into this thing? Does it feel like it's a game that he's approaching as this is an absolute must win. We've got nothing to lose. We're going to throw everything we've got at him. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I have, I'm not allowed to practice it as of right now. So I don't know exactly what the game plan is going to be, but it's funny that you say that because a lot of people have mentioned that about kind of slowing the, the game down, trying to keep the reason the I say out. it is like when you watch the Illinois game, I, they've got to be the slowest offense <laughs> in all of college football. It's shocking. I mean, I wouldn't think that Scott Frost would be that way coming from Oregon, uh, what they were doing at UCF. It's, 
I mean, it's a snail's pace. Yeah, and I think there has been a little bit more tempo, but again, it was against Fordham and Buffalo. But yeah, I mean, I think a lot of people have, have thrown that out there. I mean, slow the ball down, you slow the game down, try to keep it out of, uh, you know, the, the Oklahoma offensive hands. But, you know, the messaging hasn't been, hey, we cannot win this football game. We just got to, you know, do our best. That's not been the message by any means. And I think, right. again, you know, you see anything can happen or you don't play the game. So I think that's kind of the approach. I think they're going to probably try to pull out all the stops and try to win this football game. And so, you know, I, I think, again, getting some of those weapons back that have been hurt, uh, you know, they've, they've got a, a tight end that's they're hoping to have back. And the defense has played pretty solid. I mean, so, uh, you know, I, as far as what, what the game plan is going to be, I don't think they're going into this like, hey, we've got no shot of winning this game. Let's just – try to keep it out of Oklahoma's hands. I don't necessarily think that's how they're approaching this game. I think, you know, for the most part, they're competitors. They're going into this game thinking we can win this football game. Anything can happen. But yeah, I mean, I I definitely think you got to look at the talent and I'm not sitting here drinking the Kool-Aid saying that Nebraska is going to upset the world, but you know, as, as, competitors as athletes you don't go into any game I don't think thinking oh we got no shot to win this game let's just do what we can to keep it close you you mentioned that defense and the way they're playing obviously a a very rich tradition on the defensive side of the ball when it comes to Nebraska football who are who are the difference makers in your opinion for that defense and like who who could make game-changing type plays for them on Saturday? You know, they, they've got a few guys, and the the depth on the defensive line has been huge. I mean, they, they're two and three deep. It's a, a defensive coordinator, Eric Chenander, said it at every spot on the defensive line, and they're hopefully going to get Casey Rogers back this week, which he's been a guy that's played a lot of football for them that they're really excited about some of the things that he can do and kind of you know, disrupt some things and, and maybe get to the quarterback a little bit more. So getting him back will be huge. So they're really depth really deep on the defensive line and have, you know, run a number of guys in there. Damian Daniels at nose tackle has been really, really good for them. But um, Jojo Doman um, kind of moves around. It's kind of a jack of all trades back there, plays a, a different, a lot they, of different roles. They, they take him off the field entirely too much. He's one of the best players on the defense. They take him off the field when the other team goes big personnel. It makes no sense. It's been driving yeah. me insane Especially as I watch Especially whenever it. he's 230. <laughs> he's not like a typical nickel that's like a, an extra I, corner. It, it makes me want to yell at the screen as I watch it. I have I, I don't know what they're doing. It, yeah. it's, it's confusing. I mean, he's, They won't do that against Oklahoma. I don't, think, I don't because, think so either. Because if they get like, – they'll get him off the field and go big personnel – and they won't let him come back on. You know, they'll just go up tempo on him. So, yeah, I wouldn't so think they do it anyways. Jojo Doman might be a guy that that can make some big plays. And then Cam Taylor Britt, I, I talked about him earlier. He plays corner, and um, you know, this is a game that he's been really excited about because obviously, Oklahoma people know Oklahoma has a lot of talent at wide receiver, and as much you know. Um, hate as he's gotten for some of the decisions he's made in the special teams he's been playing really well at corner so you know I think he's a guy too. given an opportunity he could make a couple big plays as well I like Luke Reimer 28 uh, inside yeah backer. he's your kind of guy Teddy he shows up man he flies to the football he's 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 a pretty good player yeah he uh, and he uh he's a walk-on he's a walk-on guy that kind of earns 
his spot. The team loves him. Saw him last week. He's Big Ten Defensive Player of the Week. Had 16 tackles. His first career interception. He plays really, really hard. Garrett Nelson plays really, really hard too. So, uh, but yeah, Luke Reimer. I should have mentioned him because he he's your kind of guy. No, he's a good player. He he really is. He's got some good speed, uh, smart, athletic. Um, I, the key for the defense for me for Nebraska. And this is really the matchup for me to watch, Gabe, is this is by far the biggest defensive line we will face all year long. They're really big. Mm -hmm. And I I don't know. That's Can we push them off the ball? We've struggled running the football against uh, good defenses. And if we can't run the ball, then all of a sudden things open up. Now, if we can, that's whenever we're, you know, Nebraska is going to be in some serious trouble. So that's kind of the thing to watch for me. Well, and that's what Spencer Rattler said after the Tulane game. That's the hardest hitting team that one of the hardest hitting teams that he's seen. And and Jeremiah brought that up that, you know, one thing about Nebraska, they might not match up talent wise with Oklahoma, but they're, they're going to be physical and they're not going to be afraid to be physical. And and they're going to, you know, it's a big 10 football. And and Jeremiah is a guy that played the last year in the big 12. And then when they made the transition to the big 10 and how different it is, and you got to be big and you got to be physical to play in the big 10. And so, yeah, they're not going to be afraid to be physical, and they are huge. That was the first thing that I said when I walked in my very first practice. I was like, dang, this is a big team. So there is definitely some size, really, on both lines. Yeah, I'm looking at the edge guy, Caleb Tanner. Yeah. That's that's the best-looking defensive lineman they've played this season, and maybe the best-looking one they'll see all season. I mean, he looks exactly like – exactly the way you want an edge guy to look. And it's it's going to be an interesting matchup because he's got a bunch of length. You can just see it on tape, Ted. And I, if I was Nebraska, I'd line him up against Tyrese Robinson a lot. Short-armed guy playing tackle yeah. versus a guy that's got a lot of length playing the edge position. It's just that that's one of those matchups. Hey, I've got that one circled, Goody. Got that one circle. Yeah, and, and he's a guy they really like, as you mentioned, super athletic, and we saw how explosive he can be against Illinois. Had to learn the hard way about how to hit a quarterback, right? Because, uh, you know, his roughing the passer ends up taking away an interception that potentially makes that game 21 nothing, and we're looking at a different outcome. So, again, some of those self-imposed mistakes that I was talking about at the beginning. But, yeah, he's a guy that they are really, really excited about. And uh, your boy Jeremiah loves him as well. and. Yeah, it'll be – there's a lot of guys that I think are kind of a little bit maybe ready to be unleashed that, um, you know, again, that there's some a lot of depth there on on that front that they can do some things with. So you mentioned right when we came on that you thought there was going to be a lot of Nebraska fans make the trip. Like, what does that mean? How, what are we expecting down here? Is this one that they've been talking about, like, as a – I don't know, obviously the 50th anniversary and all of that stuff, it's the old rivalry – has that been a talking point that there's a, a huge contingent of fans making their way down? I think so. I mean, I don't know what the I don't know what the exact allotment was for Nebraska, but I know that that was all you know spoken for. And since I've been here, I went on the air July first, and it's been people have wanted to talk about it. I know that there are a lot of fans going down. I don't know what it's going to be like. You guys striped the stadium last week, right? Look good so, too. Yeah, it was horizontal, right? That's cool. 
Yeah. So uh, you won't necessarily probably be able to see it as much uh, with, you know, some of the, some of the times when you start the stadium, you can really see the patches of where the fans are, but um, I do think that there's going to be quite a few, I know it's kind of crazy because, you know, with Oklahoma fans, there's fans all over the country. And we actually just talked about this on the radio tonight. You know, a lot of these lifelong fans for both of these programs have been fans because they were really the only team that was on television back in the day, you know? And so um, there's fans from all over the country that have been fans of these programs for so long that have been so excited about this matchup that, um, you know, I think it's, and you heard Lincoln say it in his press conference, there's something different about this one. You play there, Oklahoma plays a lot of marquee non-conference games, you're in and you're out, but there's something that feels a little bit different about this one. And I think, you know, as much as the players might not have completely understand the tradition, there are a lot of fans and I, I don't know what the number will be, but I do know at Illinois, there was a big chunk of Nebraska fans, which Illinois didn't sell out at all. Uh, there was a lot of empty, empty stadium. There's a big, um, big Nebraska contingency there. And so I would imagine there's, there's quite a bit of fans that, that make the trip. So we'll see. I think it's just going to, it's going to be just such a cool atmosphere. And I think it's going to be really, really, really loud. That's what I was telling. Um, I, I did an interview with Samori Ture today and I said, it's going to be really, really loud when that thing gets kicked off. I mean, there is no doubt about it. So um, I think it means a lot to both fan bases and, and certainly Nebraska. I've had a lot of people ask where to go eat uh, and which I'm like, I don't know. That kind of stresses me out because you know me, I don't eat a lot of Chick-fil-A. meat. Chick-fil-A. Uh, <laughs> Just tell them Chick-fil-A, make it easy. Okay. Have well, you heard of this place called Sonic? <laughs> yeah, Sonic. They, we go. have Sonics here. Well, good. There you go. Brahms? So they have Brahms? Brahms? No Brahms. No Brahms. There you go. Send them to Brahms. Yeah. I said the Mont. Yeah, that's the way to go. Which, by the way, I don't know if you know this, since you've left, the Mont can now give swirls to go. What? All the time. Oh, yeah. So they're they're in it. Like, is it in, like, a pitcher or a cup or what? Like a plastic, just like a plastic vessel. Yeah. New thing here in the States. It's got to be sealed on the top. But, yeah, you can take them to go. Wow. That's amazing. Same time for Oklahoma. <laughs> so now, so now you can you just, leave? yeah. So I, I guess now instead of having to wait in line at the Mont, you can just get your squirrels to go and take them to the tailgate. That's what I need to be telling people. That's right. Exactly. There you go. Well, and Fletcher's corn dogs. I know. Well, I mean, it, it's we're living world. right, baby. Living <laughs> right. Oh, it's funny. All right. Oh, it's always fun catching up. We miss you. Um, let me know if you need me to bring you, bring you some OU, OU gear so you can change into it when the game gets out of hand. Okay. Uh, I'll be good. I'll be good. We'll see you guys on the sideline. See you, Cootie. Thanks. Thanks for having me on. Finally. Always good catching up with our girl, Jessica Cootie. Do you think she had like, it's a different shade of red. Do you think she was like, okay, I can keep all this stuff and they won't notice or. Yeah, I don't. That's a good question. You'd hate to ditch like your whole wardrobe because of just a little bit of a shade darker for because of a than, Pantone, yeah, issue. Uh, no, that's that's interesting. I don't know. She's probably getting a bunch of uh, she's probably getting a hard time up there calling her, you know, traitor or whatever. She's selling their secrets back to OU, but no, it's going to be fun to see her back and down on the sidelines and. 
and making the rounds. Good stuff. I thought I thought what she said about the attitude of that team. It's interesting. I mean, yeah. doesn't doesn't sound like a team that's down in the dumps coming into this football game. So Sooners better be ready. Better be Here's ready. Here's the thing, man. Uh, everyone's going to give Oklahoma their best shot of the year. They know that the the scouts are going to be pouring over the film whenever um, they're looking at OU guys. And if you're out there whipping an OU guy, it's going to get noticed. So everyone takes this game serious and wants to play their best, no doubt. Yeah. All right, let's get to the National College Football Roundup. But first, new sponsor alert. And if you are a whiskey or bourbon drinker, stop what you are doing. Head to your favorite liquor store and buy some Balcones products. You've got to grab some of Balcones Lineage Single Malt Whiskey. It was just voted one of the top 20 whiskeys in the world by Whiskey Advocate, and you'll be shocked by how affordable it is. Also, you've got to snag some of Balcones Baby Blue Corn Whiskey. It's made from blue corn. That's the fancy corn, and that's why it has won more than 25 awards. Last but certainly not least, you got to buy some of Balcones Pot Still Bourbon. It's big flavors. Make it perf- Make it the perfect bourbon to drink year-round. It's better than Jack. You've tried it. In 2012, Balcones Single Malt won the best-in-glass competition, beating brands like Johnny Walker and McCallum, and became the first American distillery to win the competition. This stuff is the real deal, people. If you love great whiskey and bourbon at a great price, then Balcones products are the only way to go. The whiskey may be made in Texas, but the owners are from Oklahoma. To find a liquor store that has it, visit balconiesdistilling.com. And make sure you send your kids to Bishop McGinnis Catholic High School. Bishop McGinnis has a long tradition of educational excellence. With a 12 to 1 student to teacher ratio, no student is overlooked. Bishop McGinnis, whoa. Bishop McGinnis's college prep curriculum offers 22 AP courses. There are numerous clubs and organizations for students to join. And as a proud member of the OSSAA, there are 14 sports offered. If you want to provide the best possible educational and spiritual development for your children, Contact Bishop McGinnis Catholic High School or visit bmchs.org. Financial aid is available. You talk about range, whiskey and bourbon ad into the Catholic high school ad. That's what we do on this podcast. Unbelievable. National College Football Roundup. Big game for the Oklahoma State Cowboys this week, Ted. Going to Boise State at night on the Smurf turf. And, dude, I, I think Oklahoma State's defense will hold up. I think they'll hold up. I think Hank Bachmeyer is a good player, an experienced player, and that offense has some weapons. But I, I think Oklahoma State can keep their offense in check. I suppose this game comes down to one thing. Do you trust Spencer Sanders to go and get a win on the Smurf turf? I No. <sighs> no. I, don't, I don't trust it. I think that not only do I not trust it, I think Boise State may win the football game going away. Or favorite State, yeah, with three and a half, four point favorite, something like that. I, I think that I think they'll be able to run the ball on Oklahoma State. I think Spencer Sanders is probably good for a couple of turnovers, a little bit better than fifty percent completion. I don't think it's going to be good enough to beat him. I really don't, and. We know Boise State, they look at these Power 5 matchups as a Super Bowl. That place is going to be insane. They're going to be jacked up. The team 
they they look at these moments to come out and play and prove themselves. I think I'm taking Boise State to win and maybe win comfortably late. This is this is a big opportunity for Mike Gundy's team to show what they're made of. I've, I I'm I'm not gonna lie. I I don't think Boise State's that good this season. I really don't. I know that that UCF game that they played was exciting. It was awesome to start one start college football off with such such an exciting game between two of the best programs in the group of five. I think Oklahoma State's got better players than Boise State. So I know it's looked bad, but I think they get it done, man. I think that I I kind of can see at the end of this game, all of us going, hey, did you see how Spencer Sanders played? Yeah. What the hell was that? He was great. I did for whatever reason. I And I feel like an idiot as it's coming out of my mouth, especially with how that offensive line has played for Oklahoma State. But sometimes you got to go on the road to play your best football. And I don't know why. I, maybe it's because I thought Oklahoma State was going to have a good season, but I think they're going to win. I don't know why. It's a, this is this sounds really stupid. It's a gut feeling, <laughs> right? Well, I'm with you on Boise State not being a great football team this year, but I think they're way better than Missouri State, and I think they're decently better than Tulsa. I mean, Boise State is a solid football team. I just don't think Oklahoma State is. I don't think they're going to be able to block them up front. I think Spencer Sanders is going to be scrambling around, making mistakes. Uh, I would be shocked if what you suggest happens, that at the end of the game we're saying, hey, how about Spencer Sanders? Because I've been waiting for that for two years, and it hasn't happened. I've got no reason to believe it's going to happen now. Prove me wrong. He may prove me wrong, but I'm going with the track record. Track record says 55% completion percentage, maybe 200 yards, a turnover. He tried to fumble the game away against Tulsa and got lucky. I believe in you, Spencer Sanders. Make (laughs) me look smart, man. Come on. All right. uh, Next game. Number one, Alabama at number 11, Florida. And... I'm not sure it'll really matter that much at the end of the day, but going to be interesting to see what Dan Mullen does at quarterback because Emory Jones, it doesn't look like he's made much improvement, especially as a passer. But that Anthony Richardson guy, their backup, he looked he looked like Cam Newton playing against South Florida. Now, he tweaked that hammy on that touchdown run he had in that game, so uh, I wonder like how healthy he is. But that dude is the future at the quarterback position for Florida. There's no doubt. He looks amazing in a jersey. But Bryce Young, young quarterback. Now he's fantastic. He's got all the talent in the world. But, Ted, we we have seen crowds affect games, right? Crowds are back. And the swamp is going to be rocking for this one. It's going to be a hostile environment for Bryce Young. I I think he'll be fine. I think Bama wins the game. Now with Will Anderson, you know, their stud defensive lineman being banged up, 
he got hurt against Mercer, which I, I mean, I hope he can go in this game, but I could see this game. You know, we're headed to the fourth quarter. It's a one score game. Everyone's starting to pay a little more, a little more attention. Like this is a tough spot for Bama. No, I agree. Uh, I like Bryce Young. He's looked amazing so far, but what we haven't seen yet is how does he react with a little bit of adversity? You know, what happens if Florida makes a couple of plays on him and now all of a sudden you're looking up at the clock and it's the fourth quarter and maybe you're down three. Uh, how does he respond? I think the one thing about the game that is worrisome for Florida is playing two quarterbacks, I – I just don't know how that prep goes. I don't know how the mentality of those two players goes. You know, sometimes the team may be sitting there. You've seen this before, Gabe, where it's like, why are we playing two quarterbacks? It's clear who the best guy is. Now, I don't know who their, what their locker room is saying on that one, but that can be decisive uh, whenever you're playing two guys, playing favorites. Um, so, that's the thing that really upsets me or not, not upsets me, but um, makes me think that Florida is, you know, kind of playing with fire here. I think it's close early. I think Alabama ends up making some big plays late and separates themselves. But I, I want to see the story of this one to me is how's Bryce Young respond to uh, the environment, as you put it there and, and some adversity. If, if Florida makes some plays, because Florida will make plays. They got some good players on that team. How does he respond? Yeah, that's it. I'm hoping we get a good one in that one. Okay, another big game. Number 22, Auburn at number 10, Penn State. A lot of rumors. James Franklin to USC. You got that floating around, but it's the whiteout in Happy Valley. Uh, One of the coolest scenes in all of college football, one of the coolest scenes in all of sports. College game day will be there. And we really don't know much about Auburn because they've played Akron and Alabama State. So I guess the big question in this one, Ted, is if Penn State can shut down Auburn's rushing attack. Tank Bigsby is a hell of a back, and Bo Nix can run. So I think that's the biggest question. Can they slow down? what Auburn wants to do with that rushing attack. And even though he's looked better so far this season, if Bo Nix has to win the game, right? If they can't run it and he has to win the game, throwing the football, I love Penn State's chances. Love their chances. Even though I do, I think he's improved his mechanics. I think he looks better in the pocket. But this this is a huge game for Sean Clifford, Penn State's quarterback. I I could see both teams struggling to run the football, especially Penn State. You know, you know Auburn has they got talent on defense, and maybe this one comes down to if Jahan Dotson can make a big play in the passing game against that talented secondary for the Tigers. But it's it should be a fun one. It's gonna be a, it's gonna be an, another awesome environment. No, it's gonna the the environment's gonna be insane. Uh, Auburn plays in some big time games down in the SEC, obviously, but I don't know if Auburn's made a trip up there before or not, but especially it's been two years essentially for most people to see some of these environments like that place is going to look crazy to Auburn football players. And there's, there's going to be a little bit of 
uh, being enamored with the situation and looking around and, uh, you know, if you find yourself in a tough football game late, that could end up being the difference. But I honestly don't think Penn State's going to be able to stop Auburn running the football. I, I like what they do a lot. Uh, creative, throw a bunch of different looks at you. Um, they're good at it. Numbers bear that out. And you're right. They haven't really played anyone. But, man, it's it's a really good attack. I I I like Auburn. I really don't even know how good Auburn is. But I think they go in and get that. I'm still, maybe I'm taking too much from last year's Penn State football team, but man, I, I feel like we've kind of seen the same Penn State. Like, what what's going to change? Clifford is Clifford. They're not electric. They they don't they they can't answer with big plays whenever they need to. And I think Auburn's going to be a big play football team up there. I feel like you just don't trust Sean Clifford, and that is perfectly understandable. Don't. I don't, I, but I mean, I, I'm not sitting here trying to say that Bo Nix is some, some great quarterback, but I like Auburn's running attack way more than I like Penn State's. No, I got you. Even though, you know, Noah Kane, I like, like they've got good options to run the football, but no faith in the Nittany Lions, even though they went, they went to camp Randall week one and got the W Teddy, well, you, you, no faith. Here's the other thing, man, and you mentioned it. There's a lot of rumors going around. That's a distraction for a football team before they play something like this. Everyone's parents, uh, all of their friends, they're not asking about the Auburn game. They're asking if Franklin's going to USC. And do you see what James Franklin said in his press conference when he got asked about it? He was like, I'm going to I'm gonna talk to my leadership council about this. It was like, what? What, what, are, you, what are you talking about? Why don't you just say no, Dad? Like, I'm... Uh, not interested. I'm focused on my team. And maybe he did say that stuff, but the the uh the clip I heard, I was like, wait, what in the world is he talking about? So which for the record, that would be a god awful hire for USC, in my opinion. Oh, we'll get to that. <laughs> it's in my losers. Ah. Uh number 19. Last game, number 19, Arizona State. Arizona State's up to number 19 at Number 23, BYU. Like, I saw this game because when when I picked the games that we're going to talk about in this in this part of the podcast, I'm like, okay, we got to talk about the ranked matchups. And I saw this one, and I was like, wait, both of these teams are ranked. Yeah. Does, this it's does not weird. feel like a top 25 game. Once you get outside of, like, number 13 or maybe 15, it's like, we're just going to throw teams in. We don't know. We don't know who's any good or who's, you know, it's that we're just going to throw a number next to a team. It is. It's certainly interesting, but looking at this one, I thought BYU looked solid against Utah, right? I mean, they really controlled that football game, that running game with Tyler Algier. He, he's a good player, man. He's a big physical back. Jaron Hall, has looked good so far. I feel like he's making good decisions with the football at, at the quarterback position for the Cougars, and he adds a lot to the run game. Like he's got some serious athleticism. So this is this is going to be a fun one to watch when you when you factor in what Jaron Hall can do, and then what Jaden Daniels can do at quarterback for Arizona State. Like I, I'm expecting this one to be a lot of fun. So. Arizona State's got some skill talent. Maybe they out-athlete BYU in this game, but it's a weird matchup, but like, I'm, I'm weirdly excited about it. Yeah. 
I, I haven't seen Arizona State um, yet this year, but BYU, I like their rushing attack, and that carries over from a year ago. Um, I thought, you know, maybe losing their quarterback, struggle a little bit, but they've kept that running game going, which I really like. Yeah, here's the thing with Arizona State. Why cheat if you can't win games like this, right? That's the reason you cheat to begin with, to win top 25 matchups. So go get it done, Herm. That's a good point. Also, 9.15 p.m. Central kickoff. Oof. Let's let's get weird. Oof. We'll be home. Is it what? Oklahoma State's like at 8.15, right? Yeah, I think Something it's like 8. That. And someone else in the Big 12 has a 9 o'clock. Who yeah, is got it? Some, got some late kicks. We've got we've got an uh, <laughs> Iowa State's got a 9.30 yeah, that's the p.m. Game, yeah. Central kickoff in the desert against UNLV. Ooh. Oh, my gosh. Ooh. Those Iowa State fans are going to be. Whew, those people need a drink right now, and they are going to be wasted in Vegas. Yeah, that's. That's a dangerous combination. Everyone had that plan. They thought they were going to be out there celebrating after the Iowa game. Uh, depression setting in. That is that is at the Raiders. I just looked it up. It's at the Raiders stadium. So That's it's at awesome. Allegiant. That'll be cool. I, I think OU should do that. I would very much enjoy yeah. OU going and beating up on UNLV and all of us getting to make that trip. I don't care who we should play like USC or Oregon there. I don't care who it is. We could play UNLV. That's fine. If you're playing in Vegas and you're not at Sam Boyd stadium out there in the heat and you're in the air conditioning in the dome, I am down for that. Uh, the strip just within walking distance. Awesome. Let's be, before we go down, that's this where the national hole. championship should be. I don't know why it's in Indy. Forget that. Should be playing that thing in Vegas every year. Would not be shocked if it ends up being that way. Okay, before we go down a Vegas rabbit hole, l- let's do winners and losers of the week. But first, are you unhappy with the surface around your pool? Are you not pleased with your patio? Soft Rock specializes in installing safe rubber surfacing for pools, patios, gym floors, and outdoor spaces. Soft Rock's rubber safety surfacing provides a long-lasting surface that is impact and slip resistant, fully customizable, and virtually indestructible. Local business owners Heidi and Cody Clark are avid OU fans that are driven to help you with all of your pool and patio surfacing needs. Visit softrock.com slash OKC. That's S-O-F-T-R-O-C dot com slash OKC for more information. The Clarks also own the Driveway Company. The Driveway Company has tailored solutions to eliminate all your driveway problems. They can repair cracks, clean and seal your rotting grass-filled joints to prevent water damage, ultimately saving you thousands of dollars in future repairs. Visit thedrivewaycompany.com slash OKC for all of your driveway repair needs. Learn more about SoftRock and the Driveway Company by visiting their Facebook and Instagram pages or by calling 405-294-9834. As always, Ted, kick us off. Who do you have as your winner of the week? I think the winner of the week has to be all of the grown men out there that, like myself, still have the seventh grade sense of humor. And you found out this week that Nick Saban likes D's nuts jokes. <laughs> it's got to be the funniest thing I've ever heard because you can't find another guy on the planet that you would think 
it's like the total opposite, right, for Nick Saban. And somehow, which the funniest thing about this is someone had to introduce him to the joke somehow. Like, hey, coach, you know who we should hand the ball to down on the goal line? Who? These nuts. Like someone had to do that to Saban to start things off, right? That's the funniest part about it. Did you see what Jordan Battle said? Like, did you see his media availability? I did. Here's the quote. Touch D's or (laughs) suck on D's. Yeah, I was like, that's a little that, that's taking it to the extreme. They they right asked there. Jordan Battle about his favorite Nick Saban coaching saying. And that was his response. Touch <laughs> D's, D's or suck on D's. <laughs> I mean, that's <laughs> everyone was like, wait, Nick Nick Saban, the the head football coach, is that who you're talking about right now? That's, Isn't that like the funniest visual ever? I I just I can't imagine like he's so serious all the time and he's such a grinder, and then all of a sudden he drops a D's nuts joke on you. You've <laughs> got to just like howl laughing if you're one of those players. Like you talk and, about a joke landing, bro. Oh my gosh. And you know he has to set it up hard, like he's all pissed off and mad about something. You know, and has everyone like in a really tense, like everyone's like, oh my God, he's on one today. And then he, he hits you with one of those. It has to be, it has to be fantastic. It's so funny. When I heard that, I was like, that is, it's so, it works so good because it's the last person on the planet you would ever expect that from. So good. All right. Who do you have as your loser of the week? It's the easiest loser I've ever had to pick. It's Lou Holtz. And it's Notre Dame. Did you see this? Lou Holtz and Notre Dame have licensed the play like a champion today phrase. Now, that's a stolen phrase from the University of Oklahoma. They stole that from OU. Lou Holtz stole it from Oklahoma, and now he's trying to make money off of it. So is Notre Dame. It's crap. Oklahoma has that. I think Bud Wilkinson started using that in the late 40s. I believe he started. I, I used to know this. I'm pretty sure it was like 1947 yeah. because that's the year my dad was born. And I remember thinking like, oh, I'll never forget that. You know, year my dad yeah. was born. And that's when Bud Wilkinson started hanging the sign for. Yeah, no, everyone knows that's an OU thing, right? They stole it. They put it in that stupid Rudy movie. That's okay? what it is. Everyone's and seen Rudy. And they slap it in the Mo- Rudy's movie, but the sign wasn't even there whenever Rudy played. Lou Holtz hadn't coached there yet. It's stolen from Oklahoma. It's crap. So are we an anti-Lou Holtz podcast now? Sure. We don't like you, Lou. <laughs> We are anti-claiming something is yours when it's somebody else's podcast. Uh, Eddie, <laughs> Eddie Radosovich put it best. We'll see you in court, Lou. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. <laughs> that uh, there, that's gonna that's gonna make a bunch of OU fans mad. Oh, oh yeah. my gosh, 
it did yeah. take long today whenever that that came out before OU fans started how, jumping all over it. I, I know Lou Holtz is old, but how old was he in 1947? I don't what, know. Like he was 12, 10? Yeah, probably, probably 12 years old. Yeah, stolen. He probably somehow, I don't know. I don't know where he would have came across. Uh, maybe Bud Wilkinson had it in a book or something that he read, and he stole it, put it up there at OU or at Notre Dame, and now they're going to try and make money off of it. What a bunch of crap. Be like all of a sudden someone else, you know, using PJ Flex, row the boat. I, I just, yeah, you know, this whole time we're bashing Lou Holtz. I can't stop thinking about the D's nuts, Nick Saban jokes. Like I'm just imagining him saying it in my it's head. About and I'm the just same laughing. as Lou Holtz dropping uh, D's nuts jokes. D's nuts. <laughs> my Lou Holtz impression is awful, but everyone's got one, right? Everyone's got one. All right. For my winner of the week, thought about going with Aretha Franklin. Ted. Huh. Rolling Stone remade their list of the. 500 greatest songs ever and the contributors said that Aretha Franklin's respect is the greatest song ever. Number one, your thoughts. I don't think it's the greatest song ever, but I don't know how Rolling Stone, like music is so like people's taste differs so massively. I don't know how you can I will ever- say this in R.I.P. Aretha, but I, I will say this. Have you ever met anyone that doesn't like that song? Like you talk about a red flag. If someone, if like, if that song comes on and it gets to the R.E.S.P.C.T. part, like and someone's like, this, this song sucks. I'd be like, dude, what is wrong with you? Okay, that's fine, but that doesn't make it the greatest song ever. I've never met anyone that doesn't like Ice Ice Baby by Vanilla Ice. So that doesn't mean that that's the greatest song ever. I didn't go through the entire list of 500, <laughs> but I got the top five for you because I figured you would, have, uh, you would have something to say. Number two, public enemies fight the power. Number three, Sam Cooks, a change is going to come. That is a great song. Number four, Bob Dylan's Like a Rolling Stone. And number five is right up your alley, I'm assuming. Nirvana smell like teen spirit. I like, I like that song from Nirvana, but it's not, I don't even think it's their best song. I don't know how they could say that's the number five greatest song of all time. You're more I of don't a heart shaped box guy, a little darker for you. Absolutely. Yes. Uh, I, that's, I got to know what their criteria is. I don't go, know. Di- go dive. Yeah, they explain how they selected and all that. I was like, that's a lot of reading. I'm not going to explain all that. What do uh, you but- think is the greatest song ever? The great. So that's a great question. Like the greatest song or or the song I enjoy the most. Because mm. Bill Withers' Lovely Day may put me in a better mood than any other song. Really? I just, huh. I don't know. Like it just, you listen to that as your morning gets going after you listen to this podcast, of course. And I don't know. It just puts me in a good mood. There's I actually, would, a, I would go some Kings of Leon just cause they're my favorite band. And you know, there's a lot of, a lot of connections there. So I would probably go one of theirs. There's like my actually favorite song. A, there's, there is actually a correct answer to the question. What is the greatest song ever? And it is lateralis by tool. 
we have slightly different tastes <laughs> in music. Slightly different. But that's what makes music great. That's right. Exactly. Okay, but my winner of the week, the Carolina Panthers. Coming off a nice week one win over the Jets. Sam Darnold was sharp. We talked about it on the last last episode. He was taking care of the football. Friend of the show, Dan Orlovsky, said that Darnold's eyes were in the right places the entire football game. Christian McCaffrey, your favorite player, Ted, and uh, (laughs) fantasy football superstar, looked healthy. But the reason they're my winner is they've got the Saints this Sunday, and they host the New Orleans Saints there in Carolina. The Saints are still practicing in Texas. They're actually practicing at TCU right now nice. because of the damage of that Hurricane Ida, uh, the damage that Hurricane Ida did to New Orleans. So they're still not at home, and it just got worse. They've now got eight people in the Saints organization that just tested positive for COVID, including six offensive coaches. So it's just like, it's just such an, a bad situation for New Orleans. Like they're practicing away from their facility. They're on the road. They're sleeping in a hotel. Like their entire offensive staff is sick. Their meetings are all messed up. They're having to meet as a full offense instead of as position groups. Like it's just, it's a mess, man. I, I feel like that's, that's working in Carolina's favor. You would think sometimes you just never know, though, man. But you the just, Saints just destroyed the Packers. Like I know. Embarrassed them. They look good. And Winston had the, the quote of the century after the game. Did you see that? <laughs> <laughs> What's he always say? What's my trainer say? My, hey, we were prepared. My trainer told me. What did he tell me? He said, be prepared. <laughs> I love James uh, Winston, man. He's going to let it rip. That's the one thing, man. He, he'll he throw the football around the yard for sure. He may throw it to the wrong team, but he'll air it out. But, but I, I agree. Think, the Panthers look good, dude. They really yeah. do. I love Matt Rule. I miss you, Matt. Coach. Come back to the Big 12. You're the best interview. I love you. Do we come want back. him to come to the SEC now? No. Uh, yeah, that'd be sweet. Next coach of Bama, Matt Rule. Mm-hmm. Huh. Huh. Not crazy. <laughs> That's not crazy. All Is right. he psycho enough? He may be too nice for that job. No, I've seen I've I've seen, seen a bit of the psycho on? side on the sideline. Okay. Yeah. yeah. He's got just the right amount of psycho for you, Ted. Nice. Okay, my loser of the week. Thought about going with anyone that thought the NFL was dying. You you look at yeah if you had that take in the last couple of years right oh the numbers the numbers no one's watching no one's watching well the NFL's opening week ratings are out and they averaged seventeen point four million viewers they're up seven percent from last season and NFL games ranked as the top six broadcasts overall last week so Ted turns out people still love NFL football shock yeah and I. I think the Cowboys, the Thursday night game was the number one rated game all week, right? Yeah, huge number. No, I, I, this first week in the NFL was amazing, and you nailed it in the last episode. Red zone around, right around, what, 3.30 is 
the greatest television you could ever pay for. Appointment television with my man, Scott Hansen. But my loser of the week, USC athletic director, Mike Bone, fires Clay Helton after two games. Fires a coach that the players love after two games. Supposedly, players crying about it in the locker room when they found out. And I understand he's been there a while. And it it hasn't worked the way that they wanted it to, right? But he did win 10 games one year. He won 11 games one year. They went 5-1 and one last year. But Urban Meyer already said there's no chance he's leaving Jacksonville to take the USC job. Luke Fickle doesn't seem like a fit to me. I mean, that dude is Ohio as they come. And with Cincinnati coming to the Big 12 soon, yeah, they're going to be able to pay him $5 million a year, and he's going to get a raise just from all the interest he's going to get from this USC job. Is a guy like P.J. Fleck really the type for USC? I, I don't know. Eric Bieniemy's name has been thrown out there, right? Guy from California, played at Colorado. I just this – is, this is the reality of it for me when it comes to the USC job, it's not the job it used to be. And there's all these discussions. Hey, is it a top three job? Is it a top five job? The answer is no, it's not. There were not, yeah, everyone references Pete Carroll and what he was doing at USC and how he had things rolling. Like people in Los Angeles cared about college football. Then they do not care about college football anymore in Los Angeles. They've got two pro teams, both pro sports who are kind of rolling that have young or have one's got a young, exciting uh, quarterback in Justin Herbert. The other, I mean, Matt Stafford could not have looked better in well, Sean McVay's system and baseball and two good NBA basketball teams. I mean, everything's rolling right now, all of it. So I just don't think USC is what it once was. Now, are there still a lot of players in California? Absolutely. But there's more schools targeting those kids. And there have been pipelines and relationships established. And Mario Cristobal is out there at Oregon, right? People are saying, why don't they go after Mario Cristobal? Well, Oregon's Oregon's got a better setup. They got more passionate fans. They got the nicest facilities. I mean, he's got every resource he could possibly ask for. They're paying him a ton of money. Like, I and just... players don't have a billion distractions in Eugene like they do in L.A. Right. I just don't think... And now, of course, there, there's going to be candidates for the job. Like, it's USC. Like, it is, it is a premier job. I'm not saying it's not a good job. But I, I saw some people saying, well, maybe it's the best job in the country. What? Have you been to a USC game? Have you been to the Coliseum? It is one of the worst college football environments I've ever been in. I watched USC play Texas there, and I was like, this sucks. And it was a good game. So I just, I, I don't know. With, with everything you got to deal with, especially out in the state of California, with that school, no like I just, 
I don't know. I, I I just don't find it as appealing as some other people do, I guess. I'm sure, you know, maybe James Franklin wants, right? Maybe he does. But I I just think everyone's like, oh, they're just going to get whoever they want. Who who that is a top 10 coach in college football is leaving their job for USC? I just I don't no see one. it. None of them. None of them. Nobody would leave their job for USC. None of the – you don't even have to be a top 10 job. The, the one thing that is appealing about USC is that the Pac-12 has not been dominated by any one school recently. Like if you're a top coach and now like Texas, like in the Big 12, and I know they're in the SEC, we're going to the SEC now, but – the fact that Oklahoma's dominated the conference makes that Texas job not as good or, you know, any ACC game because of Clemson. You, you have to go in there and compete with that. But we're knocking on the door of an expanded playoff. I think it's going to happen instantly. Why, like, like Fickle, why, why leave to go to USC whenever you've got things rolling in Cincinnati? You could compete and maybe win the Big 12 next year and make a playoff. I all of a sudden with an expanded playoff, like there's not nearly as much reason to go to USC. Most schools are paying their head football coach a really good salary. I mean, you can, yes, make a little bit more money there, but is it worth the headache? Is it that much easier to win there than it is somewhere else? I would say no. Also, the taxes out there suck. Millionaire tax, baby. <laughs> but, and you, you also, I, I think that, I think coaches above everything else, they value two things. You know, will me and my family be happy? And can I win? They won't be happy in LA and you may win. Maybe. Maybe. Yeah. Also, they Who could be happy like in L.A. Being, when you pay $3 million for an apartment? They Coaches usually like being treated well, and, well, USC just fired a coach that, from all indications, everyone in the program loves after two games, and they did. It is the same school that left Lane Kiffin on the tarmac. I'm just saying. Right. But most people do like them for that move. But True. I do. you do have to take it into consideration. And it is an amazing story. So thank you for that, USC. But yeah, Mike Bone, I, I'm very interested to see who ends up as the next head coach at USC. Okay, if you had to guess, one name, throw it out there. What do you got? Is, is, Frank, is Franklin the one he hired at Penn State? Was he at, or No, he hired Fickle at Cincinnati, right? I have had multiple people tell me that while Mike Bone was the AD and Luke Fickle was the head football coach, that they were not exactly the best of friends at Cincinnati. Um, I would probably say maybe Franklin, because I think Franklin may want to leave as he feels like he's plateaued. But I think that's a horrible hire. He's just been linked to that. He's been linked to that job so many times now. Like eventually, right? It's the, the people have to be right. I don't know. I honestly don't know. I, I, I honestly have no idea. 
I really don't. I know that's not very good at breakdown or analysis, but I, anyone's guess. I don't think it'll be. I don't think it'll be Bienemy. I don't think it'll be Fickle. I don't think it's going to be Urban Meyer. Don't think it's going to be Bob Stoops. Uh, Franklin is really the only person that's been mentioned on the on the list that makes any sense because I think he would get out of Penn State because it's going to sour on him pretty quickly there if he can't beat Ohio State. Yeah, and he's got an interesting family situation. Remember last year, he's like away from his family. I think it had something to do with his daughter. I can't remember the details of it, but I, I don't know. I, I have no idea who USC's next coach is going to be, but we'll see. We'll see. And on that note, episode 147 in the books. We'll have a new podcast that will drop Monday morning. We'll be recapping OU Nebraska. Just a reminder, you can hear Teddy from 2 to 6 on 94.7 The Ref. And you can hear me from 3 to 5 on SiriusXM Big 12 Radio, Channel 375. Hope you all have a great weekend. Enjoy the game. Until next time, we appreciate you all for listening. And do what you always do, Oklahoma. Take care of each other. Just one more time.